Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. I think the first thing that I would like to do with these three gentlemen is uh, just to get them to bounce off each other a little bit here. So uh, you've had time to, con- to meditate a little bit on Josh's comments. So Stephen or Todd, you have a question for Josh. I should have primed you for this, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, what, are, what are the um, citizenship options for addressing this fruit salad bad legislative process that's going on in Virginia um, without it having to be litigated for 20 years, bankrupt people and alienate the sides all the more. Oh, is, is that all? I got another conference. <laughs> uh, the answer is uh, I don't believe there is an answer to that one because I believe we are, we are going to have litigation, A, because we are in litigation, uh, and B, I believe that the battle lines are drawn in granite, not sand. Um, however, um, I think as a citizenry, we can be reawakened to what it means to be a citizen, to understand what our rights are, and to realize the tectonic forces at play are going to be a gut check of what it means to be an American, what it means to love your neighbor. Um, and we're going to have to, as a population, come to terms with what values we hold greater than other values in this competition of ideas, in this marketplace of ideas. The idea of being able to speak freely uh, that might cause someone offense, um, that needs to be addressed. And, and I think each of us have talked about it without planning, and we never compared notes. Um, we each talked about listening before we ever engage the culture. So we need to listen, and then I think we need to engage our elected representatives, and we don't like them, vote them out of office and put one in we do like. One of the strengths of the United States is having 50 states who do it a little differently. Yep. And when you get a state like Virginia that is screwing up so royally, hmm. it helps us North Carolinians say, let's don't do it like they did it. <laughs> so a bad example can, can help. Yeah, but we've had bad examples on the, uh, in New York and California for 20 years, and it doesn't seem to be helping. Well, the, the, four, People's Republic the four of states Maryland. that people are leaving the fastest, New That's, Jersey, New York, right. Illinois, and California. Right. Stephen, I have a historical, kind of a historical question, and I think you're the one best suited to answer this. How many, uh, I, was, I was eight years old in 1968, and I think you were probably closer to 18, right? So... How many of the crazy, I mean really crazy ideas that were being floated and advocated and things like that in 68, did that generation, after they got past their teens and 20s, sort of just, oh, we don't have time to do this. We've got to live the rest of our lives. And do we, in other words, is there any hope that there's just going to be some, some exhaustion uh, factor on this and that they'll you know let go of some of this craziness well most people come to jesus christ by process of elimination you know i tried materialism money popularity sports uh, henry david thoreau's self-reliance and i 
came to Jesus reading J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. I saw myself in that lost schoolboy, and I said, my goodness, I don't want to end up like that. And it set me on a search that led to Christ. So I think process of elimination. Pain is a good teacher. William Hoffman, the novelist from Charlotte County, used to tell me, life is a very thorough and patient teacher, Stephen. If you don't learn it here, you will learn it somewhere, and you'll learn it pretty soon. Just don't learn it the hard way. And I think our nation is going to the school of hard knocks right now. With 50 different states, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, there's some bright spots that show some revival or renewal or reluctance to go crazy. That may be a helpfulness in our government. Let me jump in here and ask you guys this question. How much of a, uh, I've heard a number of people, I think specifically of Ben Shapiro, who has come out recently and said that the result of some of the divisiveness in politics, especially right now, is going to lead to a a sorting of sorts in our country, Uh, especially when we talk about states and so forth, that Christians and conservatives may actually sort themselves together in order to avoid some of the persecution that may be coming our way and so forth. How much of that do you think is, is possible or plausible? What do you mean by sort? Do you mean actually moving to the states that Stephen's yes, talking about? Correct. So, I, I think it's very possible. I mean, to, to the point that if you're a Christian businessman and you can no longer operate uh, with your convictions in the particular industry you're in, you're forced to then either change professions or move to Florida. Well, I think that um, what I've seen is when you're, you're, a, you're a brand new parent, okay, and I'm sure you guys have already talked about your educational plans for your children. And I can remember that um, when Krista and I started having children, she's a professional educator. She was dedicated, headed to the classroom from the day she was born practically. And before she got pregnant, she was like, homeschooling? Are you kidding? Like only a nut would do that. By the time our first child was born, she thought, am I right? Stop me if I've got the dates wrong. But but well, by the by the time you know our first child came along, and getting to the place where education was going to be the deal, she was kind of like public school. Are you kidding? I'm not putting my daughter in there. I'll teach her myself. And so we interviewed the principal of the public school. And I'm trying to get this on tape that. And it's like, no, that no, the lady's just not in the right place, or the man, whatever he was, I forget. But um, I, I, I think that home schools and uh, classical Christian schools and other serious private schools and possibly, what's it called, uh, charter schools, that people who have the ability to do that are going to start choosing that on moss, I mean, and because I, when parents see their little ones, there, there's just this huge shift that happens when you become a parent, and and they kind of go, I'm not going to put my kid in there. Do you think that there's room for that to happen? Maybe not just on a state level. I think, for instance, I, I live in Campbell County, and it's considering itself a Second Amendment sanctuary county, whatever that means, mm. but. 
uh, nevertheless, right, right. So, so there's there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, my particular county does not, the, the local government does not abide by some of the, the pressures coming down from above. And so it seems like there, there may be some protection in the enforcement of some of these things if we find ourselves uh, in specific counties. It sounds like Todd has something. I think Todd's to got, yeah, he's, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my guess is it's not going to be a refuge. Yeah. <clears throat> So, um, I don't want to sound like an alarmist. I view myself as a realist. However, when reality is alarming, I think one needs to take a note. Um, why the VVA is so important for our consideration as believers is because I believe it is a foretelling of things to come. Um, recall in our federal society, we're beholden to multiple tiers of government. Um, which is to say that I believe the federal government, through its um, leviathan reach into our daily lives, is going to change more or less in the direction of the VVA. And so it is then going to make it so that these united 50 states um, are no longer places of refuge anywhere. Um, the Benedictine option is one. I think Christians. In our country, this occurred to me this morning on my run, um, I, I don't believe there's any living Christian in America, perhaps ever in the history of our country, who has ever lived through true persecution of the church. And if there's any student of the Old Testament who disagrees, I'd love to hear it, please. Um, but Israel's history is defined by good and bad kings and through seasons of punishment. Uh, I am of the estimation that we are about to take in a harvest from a series of bad kings, as it were. Um, and I believe that our church, our people, our faith is about to go through a period of persecution um, that has never been experienced in our society. And now that it is written upon our laws, now that it is spoken by our lawmakers, I believe we can look at the wall and see the finger of God, which is usually endemic of his wrath. And I think we are going to be sorted by our Lord um, through his agents of wrath in, in society and government. So I don't think there is a refuge for us. However, we take peace in holding to the cross uh, because he transcends any government. He transcends any government actors. Um, but I do believe the next 20 years will be definitive for the church. And I think the church needs to buckle down, tighten its belt, um, and read Rod Dreher. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but I, I think educating our children, and I said 20 years, that's a generational gap. I think educating our children at home and among like-minded believers is critical because the authorities are in control of the educational system, and so they are going to indoctrinate the next generation, which is what we're currently reaping from the millennials because the boomers, gents, um, let us down. And so this is the harvest. However, we can plant new seeds, but we've got to do some weeding to get there, and it's going to start with our kids. That means that we need to teach our congregations the high potentiality to suffer. Uh, yeah. Dreher is talking about that and live not by lies and, yeah. and how to successfully make it through that and also, also to create a culture of not only survival but um, ultimately victory through the willingness to suffer, but also deep discipleship.
and community yeah. and uh, theology and things like that. We, we have 5,000 Chinese students in the Research Triangle Park and 200 of them are distinguished visiting Chinese professors and I have a year to teach them a Christian worldview. Most of them want to stay in America and if you ask why they say freedom. But most of them will go back into academia in China and our hope is 200 a year for 10 years would be 2,000 professors who are Christians or at least have been exposed to the claims of Christ and can explain it better. But they now have facial recognition cameras in every church. To show you how good it is, uh, three Christians traveling in China recently told their buddy, you got two hours and $150, disappear, and then we're going to tell the Chinese we lost you and get them to find you, see how good their facial recognition is. He managed to get um, over 100 miles away uh, on a train ride and a bus and was in a great crowd in a small town. Uh, and you know how long it took them to find him, the Chinese? 45 minutes. Wow. And uh, they now have a social security card where if you're a member of a church, that's minus 10 points. If you studied in America, that's minus five points. If you're a member of the Communist Party, that's five point plus. If you take a Western publication newspaper, that's minus. And according to your score is according to your promotion. And um, people are feeling the heat to bow down and to conform. And um, many Chinese are doing it in their physical body, but their heart's not bowing. And uh, a lot of that Surveillance is here in the United States and it'll be brought to bear by people who are very anti-Christ. They hate marriage, they hate the church, they hate pastors. Questions? Yeah? Well, the underground church in China, uh, a, a truism in the underground church is you're you're not even you're not qualified to serve as a leader in the church until you've been to seminary in prison. And uh, they're really serious about that, and so they know some things about suffering. Chinese Christians know some things about suffering that I think that they're going to be able to teach all of us. And. Um, I think we're going to have to be, like Todd says, I think we're going to have to have a mindset that this is God's will for us. And we will represent Christ in and through it. And some of us might not make it through it physically, but um, we're going to have to have that mindset. And I don't think that's going to be a real popular sell on the experiential level <laughs> for the millennial crowd. I love the uh, cartoon that shows this teenager looking at his youth pastor. And they're in the arena, and this burly Roman has his hand on his sword and is getting ready to loose the lion. And this teenager has this sick look on his face, and he said, So you say, Pastor, come out and join the youth group. We'll hang out. We'll get into the word. What can it hurt? <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like to maybe uh, um, provide a little. Let's uh, Kristen ask sure. something here. 
Krishna. I think that's one of the reasons that they're so turned on by Jordan Peterson. Because mm -hmm. he's like real, he's, he's stand up, suck your gut in, stick your chest out, and go be a man. And here's why. Da, 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 da. And he explains it, and he's so convincing in his explanation, even though he, he has sort of a, I'll call it the Christian mythical framework that he operates from, but he's at heart, he's an evolutionary psychologist. But it's, it is meat of a sort, and it answers questions with real solid reason and experience. And so they're eating it up. But Josh, yeah, I was just going to say to that, uh, you know, that's one that's one line that churches, some churches are taking in the, when faced with this kind of thing. The Benedictine option is an option. Another church, uh, I think it's Apologia Church in Phoenix, Arizona. They've come to some renown here because of their YouTube channel. Uh, Jeff Durbin is the pastor there. They've taken the opposite approach that they're going to speak uh, truth to power in the court of public opinion as often as possible. And so they're seeing, you know, they're teaching what they believe to be the biblical manhood, stand up for what you believe in in the face of whatever it comes, you know, where, wherever that takes them. And, you know, the Lord will judge whoever, you know, whoever persecutes you because of that. One of the things I was just going to sort of bring to the conversation in terms of balance here, you have to remember from a, from, from a Christian worldview perspective that those people that are hostile to us, and Todd mentioned a number of those in his presentation. They are not the enemy. Mm -hmm. They never have been. They never will be. They are the prize. They are the prize of Jesus. And so, you know, um, I just think that we have to have to keep that in mind that we cannot villainize them. Their, their ideas obviously are sinful. Their ideologies, their worldviews, um, the enemy that stands behind them in the spiritual realm. All of that is the enemy, but they themselves, we want them on our side. Yeah, the best way to uh, remove an enemy from the field is to have him meet Jesus and get saved. That's right. Yeah. That's if like Paul the Apostle. <laughs> if you look in the Bible, the, the most hostile person, uh, Paul, was outwardly hostile, but inwardly amenable. He ended up converted. The rich young ruler was outwardly amenable, but inwardly hostile. So hostility is no sign the person is far away from a conversion. It can come surprisingly and swiftly. And, and that changes our prayer lives, right? That truth. Because we're no longer praying. I think someone mentioned it earlier. Don't pray for safety. Uh, pray for faithfulness. Was it Glenn, you guys? Uh, there's something to that. But, but even more so, you know, don't pray that we would be um, protected from those that are hostile to us, pray that those that are hostile to us will turn to know Jesus. You know, I think that that's the, the more faithful line of prayer in times like these. I would say that another way to reach people, and uh, I think, Ta uh, Josh, you touched on this, and uh, this seems to be a ministry that God's given to me, so it, it, you know, I, is to minister to people in their grief. I'm really well acquainted with grief, and so it, when people are hurting, it, I'm sort of naturally drawn to them, and, um, uh, and I, I know how to serve them. And so I think that a good thing for all of us to do, I don't know how to serve other kinds of people. It just doesn't come naturally. 
you know, uh, but uh, I know how to do that. And so I, I think one of the good questions that we can ask ourselves as individuals is, you know, what's the life experience God has given me that makes me uniquely qualified to speak to or minister to or serve a certain kind of person that has a certain life experience that might be like mine? Those are natural connection points and places where God has been deeply at work in our lives. And so any kind of testimony or sharing that we have from that is coming from a really genuine place. And I think uh, people will see that and respect it. Other questions or comments from or to each other? Well, thank you all. We'll call this a, we'll call this a wrap. And... Um, I'm just so grateful again to Joshua and Stephen and Todd for joining us. Can we say thank you again? And let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you again so much for this weekend. Thank you for this deep sharing that we've been able to do with each other. Um, thank you for these men, the lives that you have given them, the skill and the wisdom that you have given them. We pray your blessing on Joshua and Stephen and Todd as they go from this place and ask that you would prosper them in whatever roles they play, wherever they play them. We pray for FCC as a church. Help us, Father, to take these things to heart. Help us to think deeply about them and strategically. Help us, Father, to be clear on our purpose in the steps that we take as a church going forward in this generation. We pray for moms and dads who are raising children in this generation. We pray, Father, that as, if they get exposed to FCC, that they would find something genuine and real here that would draw them in and help them most of all to meet Jesus and to bow their knee at the foot of the cross and be changed by him, not by us or our philosophy, but by Jesus Christ. We ask your blessing on us as we go from this place today. Pray that you would fill us with joy and gladness and courage and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.